0: Hello and welcome to the monthly special episode of the Wimbles Had a Dream podcast. Our special guest today is Freddie Flaxman, who ran for the Don's Trust Board in the elections back in December. I won't say too much about him as we will let the man himself tell you everything you need to know. How are you doing today, Freddie? It's a pleasure to have you on.
2: Guys, I'm, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me on. I'm, um, I'm thrilled to talk about AFC Wimbledon.
1: How's it going over in uh, California with lockdown?
2: Yeah, you know, we, uh, we're hanging in there, um, you know, we, we have it a little better than maybe you guys have it. We have sunshine, you know, yeah. at 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Someone's going to have to convert that to Celsius for me. <laughs> yeah. um, and we just reopened outdoor dining. Um, so there, there are things to do um, so we're not stuck inside all day, which I feel very fortunate for.
1: Yeah, and- definitely. All we yeah. can do is go for walks and there's only a certain amount of, time, only amount of times that you can go for the same walk over and over again. So. <laughs>
2: yeah, do laps around your building or yeah. what have you, stare, <laughs> at the, stare at the rain. I've been to London before. I know what's going on
0: over there. <laughs> yeah. Get really excited taking the bins out. Exactly. That's what we do. <laughs> exactly. Um, to get us started, uh, Freddie, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, you know, where do you come from, your background, etc.
2: Yeah so so again thanks for having me Uh, you know I I know admittedly I'm new to the scene but uh, you know well I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about it but I've I've fallen in love with the AFC Wimbledon story Um, but maybe as a way of getting there um, I grew up in California I'm from Palo Alto uh, which is sort of the heart of Silicon Valley Um, you know in, in the areas Apple, Facebook, Google um, and so that sort of tech world is where I grew up. Um, and a- as I sort of got into the working world, I-, I started working in that space as well, you know, in the media and technology world. Um, I started out doing consulting at a firm called McKinsey, but all of my clients were in sports. So I first worked with the NBA, which is the Pro Basketball League here in the United States, as I'm sure you guys know. Um, on a variety of projects one being the revenue sharing plan um, where you know maybe unlike uh, in English Premier League soccer no one goes up and down everybody is in the league all 30 teams stay in the league and so in order to promote competitive parity for the teams that are in tiny cities they get revenue you know they get revenue support from the teams in big markets otherwise you know you you sort of see what you have now in British soccer, um, British football, where you have these teams that can spend massively because they, you know, are in the heart of London, uh, but then you have small teams in, you know, I, I don't even know many. of the, Ipswich is that a small town? I don't know. Um, but they, <laughs> well they on can't for uh, we pronouncing can't...
0: it correctly, though you pronounced Ipswich correctly. Which uh, there you go. Yeah, well I, I'm done. learning. I'm learning, yeah. um,
2: and so they, they do revenue sharing. Um, I also help them with their China strategy, which, you know, this is 10 years ago, has all of a sudden become relevant for us in the US. Um, at the start of this year, there was some business challenges the NBA had in China because one of the executives made some comments about the situation in Hong Kong. Um, and so, you know, really love the left brain, right brain aspect of the media world. And so from there, I've had some stops in other places that are at the intersection of media, sports and technology. So I worked for Bloomberg, the big financial news and information company on digital strategy. Um, I worked at a company here called The Weather Channel, which is one of the bigger um, US television networks and digital sites. Um, It has more app downloads, for example, than than Facebook. Um, And then I spent some time at Creative Artists Agency, which is the largest uh, agency in the world, uh, talent representation agencies in the world, where we represented the biggest movie stars, TV stars, athletes, musicians in the world. Um, and that's where I started to get familiar with AFC Wimbledon um, and doing some work in in football for, for my job there.
1: As I say, working at the weather channel, that must have been a bit of a breeze.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we had some. Stormy clouds from time to time, but otherwise it was sunny sailing.
1: <laughs> I, I, I won't rain on your parade, Sir, uh,
2: Larry, so. I appreciate that. Actually, yesterday was a holiday here in the U.S. called Groundhog Day. I don't know if you're familiar with this. You've yeah. probably seen the movie um, where uh, you know, the groundhog comes out of the ground and tells you what the weather's going to be. We, we had a little more scientific approach than that, but we did celebrate that as a national weather holiday as much as we could.
1: With, with during COVID at the moment every day feels like Groundhog Day that's true a true
2: I know the whole year Groundhog Year
0: so, so you go on in Jake uh, you mentioned that uh, with your work recently you were dealing with a lot of the big name athletes in the world and then kind of immediately followed that on with that's how I sort of got introduced to AFC Wimbledon um, yeah. just trying to work that one out you know yeah top yeah name yeah athletes. So
2: I, I can explain that I didn't want it you guys are going to have to stop me because I can talk here. So feel free to (laughs) jump in whenever I start ranting. But, you know, my job there, I personally was not an agent. I I ran sort of, how do we think about growing the firm? And mostly that was through acquiring different businesses. Um, So for example, we bought a ticketing company um, and to sell, you know, tickets to live events. We launched a TV studio um, that does many of the shows that you see, for example, on Apple+. Plus. One of the areas that we grew as well, as well was um, by so- buying a uh, football talent representation agency in, in London, actually, called Base Soccer, um, and we folded that into CAA. The reason we did that is we just, as from business standpoint, saw this exploding global interest in football, um, that was just expected to continue. And we said, well, if that's an area of the business world that's growing, as that grows, we also want to make sure we're growing. And so we looked at a variety of different ways that we might be part of that ecosystem more directly. Um, and that included looking at soccer clubs to potentially invest in, right? Um, um, and ultimately, you know, you can't represent players while also owning the team. So it made sense for us to pursue this path where we bought a player representation agency. Um, but you know, we had to do the research on everything. And as we looked at clubs that you know, were particularly interesting and unique, um, that's how I came across AFC Wimbledon. You know, from an economic standpoint, when you look at football clubs or frankly any sport, clubs for any sport, There are some characteristics that make them very attractive, one of which is the city and geography in which they're in. You you want to have access to a large pool of fans and a large pool of businesses that can potentially sponsor you. Um, You also want to have opportunities where you can, with some investment, help the team really grow. Um, And so that, with a number of other factors, sort of windows down the number of teams. Um, and from a sort of intangible standpoint, um, um, those looked very great, very good for AFC Wimbledon. Um, and, and so started spending time with the club and, and only then learned the story of the fan owned aspect of the club. Um, and as someone who sort of prides myself on trying to help underdog brands and companies succeed and reinvent themselves for the future. um, I couldn't help but fall in love with the mission for the club. And so, you know, started following the team, um, you know, through the ups and downs of last year and into this year. But because it's a mission I believe in, you know, it's, it's been great so far. And I, I do think probably my background is unique amongst the group of AFC Wimbledon supporters. And so I figured there, there might be a, another way I can continue to help out and get involved. And that's why I ran for um, the the spot that I did, but um, you know, one way or another, I'm excited to be helpful.
1: That sounds brilliant. That sounds brilliant. Uh, so what, what made you get involved with the club? What was it that you thought, Right, I really want to get involved with AFC Wimbledon. What was that point that you, you looked and thought, right, actually, I want to, contact the club, get involved with, with Wooden
2: Yeah. Um, you know, th- this will sound familiar to you guys, but to someone out here, um, a- accustomed to the state of sports ownership in the U S it was just mind blowing, which is that the fans own the team, you know, and that that's almost obvious to say, but, you know, in the U S every team, um, is owned by billionaires, right, uh, you know, more or less. Uh, the fans support the team, obviously, but, um, and feel ownership that way, but don't truly, truly own the team in the same way. There's, there's a few exceptions here and there, only to a minor degree. Um, but, you know, when I learned that about the team, I said, oh, that's interesting. And then you sort of dig into why the team is fan-owned um, and you get to see the story of the, the move of the prior team to Milton Keynes. And that sort of adds another dimension to it, which is not only is this team fan-owned, but it's fan-owned for a purpose. And to me it represented the story of the community taking ownership of, again, their own community. Um, and, you know, it's hard not to be inspired by that story That that ownership structure though comes with challenges, you know, which you guys are aware of also when you have a billionaire who owns you, they can spend billions of dollars on you, (laughs) you know, even just millions.
1: Yep. (laughs) Um,
2: And unless one of your fans uh, is, you know, independently wealthy um, to that degree, you know, it can be difficult to sort of justify that investment or even find the money to do that. And so, It really felt like this unique opportunity where given my experience in the working world in both sports and media, I might be able to uniquely help this mission that I believed in for a group of folks who I know are taking charge of their community. And um, the prospect of being helpful there just was really appealing.
0: You kind of um, touched on it there with not many, sports teams in America um, are fan-owned. They're all owned by billionaire owners. And another common thing you see in American sports is the franchising of clubs, you know, mo- moving them hundreds of thousands of miles away. Um,
1: well, the most, kind sorry, Jay, yeah, the got, most recent is uh, LA going out to Las Vegas. So you yep. know, they've been franchised. That's the most uh, recent. Oakland. One. Oakland. Oakland,
2: Oakland,
0: sorry. Yeah, Oakland. Yeah,
2: American football. Yeah, exactly. They're yeah.
0: going to Vegas.
2: Teams have moved to LA also. Yeah.
0: Um, obviously it's, it's something similar happened with Wimbledon and Milton Keynes. Um what, what do you think why do you think it works in America, yet yeah, the idea was kind of rejected here and it's, you know, they're kind of the you know, one of the most hated clubs in England because of it. Um, you know wh- why do you think is it just different worlds or
2: yeah you know it's interesting I think the structure of promotion and relegation is sort of key to it you know it's um I guess I would say two things you know because there is a system of promotion and relegation there's no need to move a franchise from somewhere else typically you know you guys are proof of that you know you didn't need to move another team to Wimbledon in order to start advancing through the ranks. you said we as a community are committing to this team and moving them up. Yeah, this, that doesn't you know Milton Keynes could have moved their team and then stunk and all of a sudden they're back down at the bottom. So there's no guarantee and I think that's a big, big piece of it, whereas in the. US there's sort of a fixed number of franchises and that's it. there's sort of a shortage of supply. Now, I do think to a certain extent, you're starting to see in the Premier League, some the bigger teams trying to apply rules that make it more difficult for them to be relegated. And that, you know, that would cause it probably to look more like the franchise model than currently exists today. But I do think so long as you have promotion and relegation and some ability to spend at meaningful levels or at least at parity with others in your league that there's always a chance to have a team in your community become a more important team and so it doesn't necessarily make sense to move someone from elsewhere
1: yeah because i was just to mention uh, when i went to new york i went to watch the brooklyn nets uh, and they obviously were franchised from brooklyn to new jersey i believe and then lucky enough they've got jay-z who's just bought them and then said no they need to go back to brooklyn in the community and he's built the Brooklyn, uh, what's it called, the, the stadium there. Uh, and he, he, he's made them go back to their roots and back to the community. And he's given back to Brooklyn. Everyone can see now Brooklyn is coming up as a, a very expensive part of New York where before it wasn't. Do you, do you think that will happen more, more often? Or is it just because Jay-Z was a millionaire, billionaire that he could do that?
2: I think it's going to be, at least in the U.S., there's a much greater understanding of team economics than there was historically. And so fans are savvier than they were in the past. And so when an owner says, oh, I want to move the team, there's an understanding. The fans are sophisticated enough to ask, okay, why are you doing this? And the public outcry and the hit to PR for the leagues is enough that it dissuades it. What I do think is a new theme, and this is maybe something that you guys will see as well, which is one of the most important revenue streams for uh, sports franchises or sports clubs is the ability to develop the area around the stadium or the arena where they play. So, you know, these teams are such huge draws that they say, well, everybody's coming to the game then they're spending money around the stadium or arena afterwards. That's because of us. Hmm. And so we should be getting a portion of that money. And so what tends to happen is they both buy the real estate that the stadium is on or the arena is on, as well as the surrounding areas which they themselves own and develop. And so it can really revitalize certain areas of the city. So for example, here in San Francisco, the Golden State Warriors um, which is sort of the big NBA franchise moved to a part of town that had historically not been developed well now they built a beautiful stadium and developed the area and it's now become really a a pleasant place to be and so you know that's an opportunity in your example that I think many clubs and franchises will explore.
1: Yeah because I can't ever imagine Green Bay Packers ever being franchised out I think there would just be uproar amongst their fans. They've got like a 30-year season ticket waiting list. So it, yeah. it does seem to be the smaller clubs and the areas that need to be rejuvenated. Uh, and that's what AFC Wimbledon are trying to do now with, with South Wimbledon uh, and where they're moving to is that we're rejuvenating that area with Plough Lane and what the fans are going to bring to local businesses and restaurants.
2: Yeah, I think, I think that'll be great. Um, great for the local community.
1: So unfortunately, obviously, you were unsuccessful in the 2020 elections.
2: I know, can you guys, I think we need a recount, guys.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) stop (laughs) the counts.
2: We need to count the votes over.
1: (laughs) Get the postal votes counted. Uh, Do you think, would would you run again in the future, Freddie? Would you look to be doing that again?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, look, I had such a great experience getting to know your fellow supporters over the course of the election process. Um, And that alone was just a really joyful experience for me, again, because I believe in the mission for the club. And you really could feel that in the individual interactions that I had with the fans. Um, And and that was inspiring. You know, you're you're fighting for something bigger than any one individual. And so that, that experience would definitely compel me to run again. You know, the other thing I keep in mind is it's going to get harder, not easier, going forward for, I think, the business side of AFC Wimbledon. And this is not rocket science. You know, I've had the pleasure of talking to Joe Palmer, who will be the first one to acknowledge and um, look at this these sort of things. But what you have is possible relegation, which means gate revenue goes down, typically. Um, sponsorship value, therefore, goes down, typically. Um, Fewer people are watching the games on TV, so any sort of media revenue goes down. Typically, um, at the same time, um, the debt payments continue apace, um, both repaying the fans who bought bonds, but also the bank. As as I understand it, that you know there are some challenges with high interest rates, but there is such unique dynamics at play for AFC Wimbledon, that in this, given the city, given the story, you know, given what you guys have as roots, that there's potential to grow through that. Um, And I think that my business experience uniquely tailors me to help address those business challenges, do so with the supporter firmly in mind um, and help the club, you know, grow if not to the you know league one up to the championship and you know we can all dream that's the name of the podcast we should you know eventually the premier league
1: I, I'm not sure about it. I'm not I'm not a big fan of Premier League. So it's not somewhere I'd love to be right now. But, fair enough, uh,
2: fair enough.
1: The, yeah, I, I see what you're saying because the Champions League away sounds quite nice. But yeah, the Premier League, I'm not too sure. Because when I, I was looking, I think it was unfortunate for you that this year was probably our strongest year of candidates that we've had. So I know Xavier Wiggins quite well. I know what he can bring to the table. And for me, where I looked at the manifest, I'd never heard of your name before. Yeah. So I looked, and when I read your manifesto, I was like, whoa, this is a very strong candidate and someone that we need to get involved and get on the board. But I don't know him that well, and and this is why it's great for you to come on shows like ours. Yeah, and look, I I don't begrudge anybody for that, you know, because it's a
2: community-owned team and because of the sort of trauma you guys have had from a football standpoint in the past, Mm. everybody is rightfully very protective of what – You've built so I, I don't begrudge anybody that I think it's wise. You know, get get a look at me, get a listen to me, push and prod me, and you know I'm hoping in 2021 the world would be such that I can make it out there for a trip in person. Um, but you know. For better or worse, you're stuck with me now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. So I
2: hope you like what you're seeing. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, get, I totally get that. And I, I think that's the rightful approach.
0: You mentioned, um, I think it was on the guest book, um, you'd spoken to Joe Palmer, uh, offered to help out, as well as helping out with a few other bits in regards to the club tell us a little bit more about that or does anything come yeah so there's a few you know
2: look it's early days Everybody's so busy so you know that I am certainly not the top priority nor should I be um there I have been fortunate enough to enough, fortunate enough to have a few conversations um Niall Cooper is working on a memories project for AFC Wimbledon and he's doing you know the majority of the work one of the pieces of the project is building a website. And so I gave him some thoughts on how he might describe what the mission for the site is so that when somebody designs it, they build it in a way that fits what he wants. Um, you know, I also have had a chance to watch the pre and post game shows that the nine years guys have been doing. And, you know, my experience is in television among other places. And, you know, I think there's some places where with a little extra equipment and a little extra coaching, they can continue to bring up the production value. Um, I'm happy to fund the equipment myself. It's not too expensive. Um, Again, that's something that's challenging because of the lockdowns right now, but I anticipate that we'll have conversations on that again going forward. And then more than anything, I just wanted to sort of raise my hand for Joe and say, uh, look, I'm, I'm here to help feel free to use me or not use me. Um, Again, he has a lot on his plate. And, you know, you guys obviously know I've been following the saga with the the team's manager. But, um, you know, when the time is right, I'm sure um, he'll deploy me if it's helpful. And if not, I definitely want to stay out of the way. Um, Sometimes that's the most helpful thing you can do
1: yeah i think you touched on it there with regards to covid i don't think that's obviously helped because obviously you can't get over you can't meet joe face to face you can't then put what you want to bring in front of him or or tell like show people what you mean it's like so that i think that's probably the hardest thing at the moment with covid is that you could do it all on zoom and stuff but it's not going to be able to Not put the it. same you know nah, you
2: guys we need correct. to be doing this in person we need None to be of, hanging it out and chopping it up
1: yeah no that's 100 percent correct uh Obviously, there's another American supporter we have, uh, the author and YouTuber, John Green, uh, who has supported the club in many ways through the last several years. Uh, have you spoken to him? Are you aware of John?
2: Uh, I'm aware of him because he you know, is a, an incredible online personality. Mm. Um, and I you know, follow him on, on Twitter. Um, and you know, what resonates with me is how he talks about the club. You know, he also describes that as a movement and the power of communities when people band together. I don't know him um, and I haven't had the chance to meet him, but I think like all of us, I, I can imagine he's probably excited to get to the new plow lane. Um, and, you know, it'd be great to be able to cross paths with him there.
0: Uh, researched you um, before coming on to this. oh Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Um, obviously- None of it's true. None of it's true. true. <laughs> uh, well, you were on the Forbes uh 30 people to watch under 30 uh 2015 yeah um how what how did that come about was that a whereabouts where you were on the weather channel then
2: yeah so uh, I'm, I'm giving away my age here guys but <laughs> yeah i um you know we we the weather channel and again some folks may be familiar with the brand and company some people might you know it's like an american institution um you know, it's like this lovable brand, non offensive, everybody sort of loves it, but it's a brand that's undergone a lot of change. You know, as people move from television to the internet and from you know, their laptops to mobile phones, it's a company that's had to reinvent itself. And, and, you know, like I've described, that sort of work to take something that everybody loves, and find ways to ensure that's around for the next 30 years like it has for the last 30 years um, is something that I'm passionate about. And so I, along with many other great team members there, did a lot of work to rethink what the brand and company could be going forward. You know, we, including relaunching the television network, designing new mobile apps, um, investing in data. And so, you know, because of the amount of change that we drove, I think people took notice of many members of our team. And I was uh, lucky enough to have Forbes take notice of of the work we did there.
0: You kind of touched on it earlier as well when you said that you now go into the, um, you just decided, sorry, to go into the player or athlete representation route. Um, Would you ever be looking at maybe supporting AFC Wimbledon through sponsorship or investment in the future?
2: Um, It's a great question. You know, I, I want to be helpful to the club. However I can, I think right now, there's probably no appetite for outside investment. Again, I think people rightfully so are focused on being protective of the club. Um, And so I'm here to help regardless of whether or not there's an investment opportunity and um, you know, who knows where the world goes? But my my support is not
1: contingent on investing. Yeah, we we you you touched on it there Again, with regards to fan ownership and investment. One of our shows coming up, we will be uh, we might have gone by now. We will be discussing that, and we will have people that are investment who want investment, and we will have people on that will fo- solely be for fan ownership. It's such a touchy subject amongst Wimbledon fans. Before, yeah, I get I get I get why. With what happened previously, so uh, obviously you're a massive AFC women fan now. But who, who's your team it teams in in America? In are, are you a baseball, basketball, American football? Do you across? Yeah, the so board? I
2: follow most closely um, basketball, American football, and baseball um, here in the U.S. So in the in San Francisco, those teams are the 49ers for American football. My family has been longtime season ticket holders for the 49ers, and uh, you know some of my fondest memories from growing up are going to those games. Um, the Golden State Warriors, which you know fans of the NBA will know. now what's crazy there is we used to stink, guys. you know it's a recent phenomenon that we've become the powerhouse that we have, and so you know we, I grew up with the team in the '90s, and we couldn't make the playoffs. Couldn't get above 500. Uh, and now everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. And I have to remind all the people who move here to take tech jobs who jump on the bandwagon. It's like, guys, you know, they're not always going to be good. They're good now, but, you know, who knows what it'll be, you know, down the road. But the Golden State, I, I got to clarify that usually when I tell people I'm a Golden State Warriors fan. And then our baseball team is the um, San Francisco Giants. Uh, and you know like look all those teams are here in the same city you know people tend to be fans of all of them and there's no official relationship between the clubs but you know they they sort of acknowledge one another and and are supportive of each other because all the fans are the same um but yeah those are those are my teams
1: yeah because I've, I've been to see uh the yankees play at, uh yankee stadium when i went out to new york uh i got quite a funny story when i went to i went to see the uh I went to the Madison Square Gardens to see a college basketball game.
2: Okay, uh, and yeah, I was college in my, sports is good
1: too. Yeah, it's brilliant, and I was in my seat and they, I had this like massive hot dog, like the food out there is unreal, like it was <laughs> mad. And I was a little bigger it.
2: here in, in the yeah.
1: <laughs> I spilled ketchup all over myself and I was eating this hot dog. And then the, one of the stewards come up to us and said, uh, you've won our competition. So you're gonna be moving seats. So when they tee off, come down to the clock And then at the next break, you'll go across the court at Madison Square Garden. (laughs) So two cheerleaders come out and grabbed us. St. John's, I think it was. St. John's, New York. And then we walked all the way out to the middle of uh, the Madison Square Garden, waving at everyone, giving it the big. And then they took us and we sat uh, right on court side. uh, That's amazing. Yeah. So I I always can say that I've walked across the court.
2: Yeah. You basically played.
1: (laughs) You're You're basically a
2: college athlete.
1: I, I I probably look more like netball player than a basketball player, but
2: you know, a, you know hey, I haven't been on Madison Square Garden floor, so yeah, I think you get bragging rights there. How how did you find watching that was compared to attending a you know, say an AFC Wimbledon game or how it, 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 it was a different
1: ball. it was a different type of atmosphere. It was more shouting than singing and stuff. And yes. Because it was more college, there was more college fans there and they kind of drove me mad a little bit. Uh, because yeah. they were just shouting out absolute nonsense but it sounds very
2: american right yeah. oh yeah the american <laughs> yeah. sports everybody just shouts a lot more
1: yeah <laughs> and i didn't really know what was that going sounds on about either right yeah I, I didn't have a clue what was going on i just when it goes in the hoop i was cheering and that was about it really but it was it was yeah, a basketball
2: good, was sort of like soccer but with more goals
1: <laughs> yeah it was end to end it was good and they got beat i think and they wanted their coach out at the same time as well so yeah it was a, it was a good laugh
2: that's great that's great. Well, we'll have to get you, you know, I'm going to come out there, but at some point you guys will have to get out here for uh, some more American sports. I can't promise you though, that there won't be a lot of shouting.
0: Would well, you get going. us uh, courtside? Can we walk across the floor? I know.
2: <laughs> I know. You know, I'm going to get you guys jerseys. We'll just you know, check right into the game.
1: Perfect. Well, I'll, be, I'll be going out to Vegas next year. I'm getting married in Vegas uh, May next year.
2: There you go. Congratulations.
1: You have to come over, Freddie. It's not far, is it, from San Francisco? or California? No, no.
2: Believe it or not, I once took a flight from Las Vegas to Manchester direct. And I don't even know why that flight exists. I mean, (laughs) like, I know Manchester is a big city over there, but I can't imagine there are that many people who are taking that flight.
1: Yeah, there'll be there a lot of people coming from London, uh, from Manchester, Vegas, and then going back again.
2: Yeah, so is Vegas like um, a big go-to city for you guys? Oh, huge! Oh, yeah, huge. definitely.
1: Love it. Definitely. I've been twice. So, as I said, we're getting married next year. We get married at the Flamingo, and then our uh, reception is going to be at the MGM Grand.
2: Awesome! Awesome! So That's great.
1: One of my it's one oh, yeah, of my favorite you're places.
2: you to California, man. I might I might uh, crash your wedding.
1: Yeah, that's fine.
2: I'll yeah, you. I'll see you on the dance floor.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, that, well we got, we got a bar made. we got everything. we got a DJ. It's going to be good. I st- I'm still
0: uh, waiting for my invite, Finch. Yeah, I haven't, seriously. I haven't received it yet. Yeah, yeah. It must in be in the mail.
1: Yeah, yeah
0: it's in the post. Jack. It's in the post. Okay, great. <laughs> I'll, I'll be waiting by the door for it.
2: post is delayed because of COVID.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do you get the chance to uh, watch many of the Wimbledon games?
2: It's- I try to. You know, it's... Um, They come on usually around 7 a.m., maybe a little earlier here in the West Coast, uh, which isn't terrible. You know, my Hustings meeting was like at 4 a.m. out here um, on the West Coast. But 7 a.m. is more doable, and I try try to watch them. You know, it's it's quite the way to start my weekend when you see the team start with a lead and then by the end not have it anymore. (laughs) Um, I feel like that's happened multiple times this year. But it is fun. um, You know, thank God for – I follow. Um, it, it allows me to watch as many of the games as I can.
1: Yeah, because, I, I, again, I've got a friend who's a Wimbledon fan, who lives in Williamsburg, New York. He said he loves it. He gets up, goes and gets a bagel, cup of coffee, watches women, and they start winning. And the problem is the weekend's ruined straight away then, if you're up at seven.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I think the key is once COVID is done, I got to be watching these games at a friend with, at, at, with friends at a pub. Cause then, you know, you win, you lose, you know, you had a, you had a pint or two and, and then you're okay.
1: Seven in the morning pint. That sounds like an away day for us.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <get a> seven. <laughs> so what, what would you say your thoughts are uh, on this season uh, so far? And what do you think about the, we, we sacked our manager and Nick Dawes? Yeah. I mean,
2: look, I think it's a year like this year is just challenging for so many reasons that have nothing to do with the club. You can't have fans attending the games or supporters attending the games. You know, you have people in and out because of, you know, potential COVID exposure. Um, Games are being rescheduled. And so I think it's um, difficult to really judge based on a season like this alone. You know, I also am just, again, this is as a fan and not as anyone who has any expertise, but I tend to believe that sports are a momentum type enterprise right um and when you're winning it feels like you can keep winning and when you lose it feels like it can be hard to break out of the cycle you know i I know some of the game the matches early on were pretty gutting because of like what we're describing you start with a lead you end up with in, in the draw or a loss and when that happens followed by a couple of losses in a row it's difficult to build the type of positive momentum that you know everybody I think aspires to and you know from when that happens you know the one way you can try to break the cycle is through making a change and so I can understand why maybe especially after a defeat to MK Dons it seemed like an appropriate time to change the manager um, but again you know I think Look, I'm an optimist more than anything else. I continue to believe the future will be bright um, for AFC Wimbledon. And, you know, the key, though, is sort of building both the momentum on the playing field, but also this momentum on the business side also. Because that, as we sort of talked about earlier, is a bit cyclical too. You make a little more money, you can sort of acquire, pay a better player, which then gets more fans to the game which then lets you sell sponsor And so it's, you're trying to sort of just build the cycle, the flywheel in a way that allows you to generate positive momentum. And that's just always tough. You know, it's in a pandemic year like this, it's gonna be just
0: more difficult, I think, for everyone. Do you think we, we can avoid relegation? Do you, do you think that a relegation would be um, really bad news?
2: I, I don't think relegation is the end of the world. I mean, look, I'm competitive, just like I'm sure you guys are, and you're avid supporters of the team. So not relegation, always better than relegation. So, I, you know, let's use that as a starting point. But, you know, being – look, being in League 2 versus League 1 will have made, you know, some short-term impact, I'm sure. But, again, the club's mission – Will allow it to sustain during those moments, you know, it's, this is not a, this is a club that's the community and the community is strong and therefore support for the team will be strong. Um, And again, there may be some short term business challenges, but I, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think what everyone needs to be mindful of is how do we begin to build this positive flywheel from a business standpoint because that will be what allows you to move up to league one. You know, if you are relegate, if we are relegated to be promoted back to league one and to stay in league one and potentially be promoted to the championship. Um, and, you know, it's, that is what, you know, everybody, I think needs to be mindful of. Um, and, you know, I think that gets, speaks to some of the sort of inherent challenges that you're describing, between how different supporters view what the right
1: path for that is going forward. You touched on it there about re- acquiring players, and obviously, the, the higher leagues you're up, and the more money you've got, the better kind of players you can come in. With regards to in America, they have a draft system. Do you think that would be beneficial over here? Because there's a lot like Chelsea have a hundred teams in their academies, and academies now are more of a money making scheme than actually finding right. that one player. They hope. To yeah. By the one way, one, before
2: but- I dig into that. What's the deal with this Papa John's cup. Can I, I want to go on record and say I am against the Papa John's cup.
0: Good man. Yeah. Uh, Why are you I mean,
2: against it? I'm against it. I'm very much, I'm against it because you should not having, should not be having adult teams playing youth teams. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's the silliest thing I ever heard. And, you know, I, I, I take the blame because Papa John is an American and, you know, <laughs> so maybe it's my fault, but I, you know, I want to be on record right here saying I'm against the Papa John's Cup. The,
1: the reason why that has happened is because the big teams in the premiership want to have B teams in the lower divisions and like yeah. Spain and and other foreign leagues where they have their B teams playing against men. Uh, they think it'd be beneficial. It's actually well, and be- This
2: was crazy. You know, like I also heard the argument that it'll help um, build talent for the English That's national right. team. I mean, I'm watching this game and there's like a – Thirty-six-year-old Greek guy. I mean, telling me he's going to play on the on the English national team. I mean, yeah, he's not even going to play on the Greek national team.
1: Our first ever game, we had there was a forty-year-old goalkeeper, uh, Finnish goalkeeper. Yeah. And it was like, well, how's this going to help the English national team? Yeah,
2: exactly. It's it's rubbish, as you yeah. guys would say. Um, it, it, yeah.
1: Exactly that. It's rubbish. <laughs> uh,
2: but do I think it? Look, I think. It's very much connected to, like before, the promotion and relegation system, right? If theoretically any team can be promoted, any team can be relegated, um, it's difficult to know what the appropriate entry point is for talent because there are so many teams that could lay claim to needing talent support. Whereas in the U.S., because there's a fixed number of franchises and the leagues have an interest in promoting competitive parity, they want to make sure the worst-off teams are getting support. Um, and there's not millions of other teams below them who are looking to move up, so you know I, I think the bigger challenge is in the financial disparities, and you've started to see some salary caps put in place in League Two and League One, which I think tries to get at it. But um, again, it really comes back to the fundamental question of how do you start with a lower financial uh, return? on an annual basis and start building your way up to being able to spend more and more money. I don't think you necessarily need to replicate Chelsea in order to be competitive, but you need to find ways to incrementally invest every single year. And that requires making incrementally more money every year.
1: There's another enough I was going to you is one of my favorite films is Moneyball, Yeah. Uh, and how they, they built the team just on statistics and, and players maybe having a, a weird throw or something like that. And uh, I, I heard recently that one of the English football teams, I don't know which one, I can't remember which one, approached Billy Bean to try and get him to come over to try and see if they could do that within football. Yeah. I don't know if that would work, though. That's the yeah,
2: point. well, I think there's been a lot of work on data analytics around football, actually. Um, and there's a few sports that sort of resemble each other in terms of the type of analytics they think about. Um, in the U.S., basketball and and I guess globally, hockey, ice hockey, is the same way because these are sort of free form sports where the you know money ball historically had been done on baseball and there's individual there's a pitch and a hitter and they're not running around all at the same time, um, and there's been a lot of interesting work done and you know some of the calculations they look to do for footballers expected goals um from Mm -hmm. any moment in time given a spot on the field and who else is on the field and how many touches there have been before that particular touch Um, and and it's it's a growing area and you know if you're looking for ways to invest a little money but get a great return from it you know the reason that was so popular in baseball is it delivered that you know you don't need to pay every single player a ton of money you find where there are inefficiencies and you invest in those types of players. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, I think there's an opportunity to do that here. Um, You know, you guys have very smart folks looking at player talent. Uh, I'm sure they use some of that already. Um, And I think it'll only become more important.
0: Is there anything else that we haven't discussed tonight that you wanted to get out there? Uh, to let Wimbledon fans know?
2: Um, No, I mean, this has been great, guys. I've really enjoyed it. I guess more than anything, I want to sort of repeat a point that you guys mentioned yourself, which I think is really fair, which is, you know, I'm new. I've never been to Plough Lane. I came out of nowhere to a certain extent. And so I respect everybody wanting to be particularly cautious and careful with what's really a key sort of pillar of the community, Um, and I'm looking forward to continuing to be involved and being helpful where I can in order to earn the trust of everybody out there. So thanks for having me.
0: It's been an absolute pleasure, Freddie. Yeah, thanks
1: very much for coming. I really enjoyed it. Brilliant talking to you. I could talk to you for hours. Yeah, likewise.
0: Likewise, guys. Yeah. Awesome. And we'll definitely, definitely want to speak to you again at some point in the future, whenever that may be. Hopefully uh, in Vegas at Finchie's wedding, we can can it on the
2: dance floor, guys. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely biggest pod
1: <laughs>
0: <quite> good. Awesome. <laughs> awesome awesome well it's been great having you Freddie uh, we'll let you go now enjoy That's the sunshine
1: good. yeah enjoy the rest of your day while we go and sleep in a couple of hours
0: yeah perfect yeah, definitely
2: yeah guys we'll talk soon
1: thank you for listening to the Wombles Had a Dream podcast If you would like to contact us, you can do so by Twitter at WomblesDream or via Facebook at The Wombles Had a Dream.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.